Hey everyone, this is Amber Key and you're listening to a Bright Idea Podcast, a show that sits down with entrepreneurs to hear about the aha moments that launched their businesses. On this week's show, we're joined by Chanel Person, a cosmetic chemist and founder of Marie Methods. Marie Methods is a cosmetics research and development laboratory located in Maryland. It provides formulation and development services for indie beauty brands. The areas of formulation and development include hair care, skin care, and makeup. The services provided by Marie Methods gives up-and-coming beauty entrepreneurs access to affordable product formulation along with the appropriate product testing. Chanel has a Bachelor of Science degree in Chemistry from Hampton University and a Master of Business and Science degree in Personal Care Science from Rutgers University. In addition to her education, Chanel is also involved in the cosmetic science community. She currently serves on the executive board of the Mid-Atlantic Chapter Society of Cosmetic Chemists. She stays up to date on both scientific development and marketing industry trends to assist in the creation of successful beauty products. Chanel enjoys working with clients and turning their ideas into products that customers will love. I was one of those probably like nerdy kind of kids who wanted like a science kit for Christmas. That was like a big deal for me. Um, But I, I knew like I was very interested in science. I kind of did a down selection of like all the subjects that I would be most interested in. And I landed on that one. Um, And then when I was in high school, I started getting into makeup a little bit. I was doing makeup kind of just like for fun. Um, And then it wasn't until like I went to purchase makeup, like at an actual counter that I was like, hmm, there has to be some kind of like formulation development space here in order for people to create these products. So I started doing a search from there. Was that in high school that you discovered that? Yes, it was. It wasn't until high school. Okay. How old were you when you started wearing makeup? Um, I'd probably say some like midpoint in high school, I started wearing makeup. I mean, of course, you, you'll do like a lip balm or like a lip gloss, like maybe when you're younger, but um, it wasn't until like high school that I was doing like full on, like full face makeup. Yeah. I only asked the question because um, my mom was really into, first of all, growing up, like, I'm sure you can probably talk to me about like your childhood, but my mom had like all the products, like she had all the potions, all the products, like we had like basically a Sally's beauty supply in this house. (laughs) I remember in like second grade, um, my mom was really into Mac, like Mac was her favorite product. That's what she wore all the time. And she had this beautiful Mac red lipstick that I like took in the second grade and I wore to school. <laughs> and my second grade teacher called my mom and was like, she's wearing makeup to school. And my mom's like, okay, but is she getting good grades? So I was just wondering, like, were you, you said that you were kind of the nerdy kid into science, but were you like also like a girly kid or were you like, like, what were you like? And how would your parents describe you? I was definitely like a girly kid. I wore like lip gloss and like, and I probably tried like eyeshadow, like trying to get away with something when I was younger, but it didn't really work out. Um, So yeah, I was definitely like a girly girl, but as I got older, I started to kind of like get more into it. Like, like you mentioned the Mac counter. So like you would go and get your face done and get like $50 worth of products. So I went and did that like all the time. Um, And so that's kind of like how I started getting interested in it, especially like, you know, like the form, the um, foundation shades, like that was like the main um, brand that a lot of like people would go to, to try to do like the foundation matching at the counter. Um, 
but I really struggled with finding the right match for myself. And so I was constantly like mixing foundation shades together. That didn't really work out. Um, so I was like, you know, there has to be a way that like this can be more, more inclusive. And of course, you know, as time went on, then um, Fenty Beauty came out and they became a lot more of an inclusive brand in terms of like foundation shades. Yeah. So you had this discovery in high school. You de you decided to go to school for the sciences, chemistry specifically. Yep. Okay. What made you choose Hampton? Um. So I did what they have is called a pre college program. So I I wasn't you know sure that I wanted to go to Hampton in the beginning. Um. I'm from like the DMV area, so I was like, oh, I could just go to a nearby school. But I went to their pre college program. I stayed um, overnight throughout the summer, took classes, and I really liked it. And I think that that was like the selling point for me. Um, and I did pre college two years in a row, so I did it before I graduated high school and then after graduating high school, and that kind of like sold me on going there. What was their um, chemistry program like? And did they have specific, was it like a um, specific classes that you could take that would get you to becoming a cosmetic scientist? Yeah, so I will say like when I was in undergrad, there wasn't a lot of cosmetic science focused programs that I was aware of at the time. Mm -hmm. um, so I definitely did like the traditional chemistry route. Well, I will say I started as a biochemistry major. And I realized very quickly that biology was not my strong suit. So I switched over to um, just the full traditional chemistry major. And so I took um, organic chemistry. I took um, physical chemistry, all those things, inorganic chemistry. And so those classes, I think, really, you know, helped in the long run in, in terms of understanding like the background in chemistry and stuff like that. But I will say it wasn't until I did my master's program that I got into classes specifically for cosmetic science. Was your goal um, after graduation to like work for one of the big like cosmetic companies like L'Oreal or Maybelline, or did you always have hopes of becoming an entrepreneur and doing your own thing? Yeah. So I will say starting out, like that was my goal. I feel like that's everyone's goal is to like go work for L'Oreal or Estee Lauder or something like that. Um, but I think it was just like God's timing in terms of like how everything worked out. So I had an internship um, right after I graduated college. Um, and so I know most people try to land like their first full-time job after they graduated college, but I'd landed an internship, um, which led into a full-time job, which then paid for my master's education. And so as I was getting my master's degree, um, people would reach out to me and say, hey, I know you're studying cosmetic science. Like I wanna start this hair care line. Would you be able to help me with that? And so I was really um, wanting to wait until I finished school, but I was like, you know what, let's just try it out, you know, work on small projects and see how that goes. What do you think was sort of the aha moment that you decided that you were going to launch Marie Methods? Um, I think when I saw that people were interested in developing their own products, and like people who, you know, didn't necessarily have a huge company or brand already. So like smaller um, indie brands or, you know, people just, they see a gap in the market or a product that they wish was out there. And they're like, hey, you know, maybe I can get somebody to create this. So once mm -hmm. I saw that people were interested in that, um, I definitely thought that that was a space that I could be in. I 
wanted to share some statistics that I actually found on your Instagram page that I think would be helpful for listeners to know. But so I w- I noticed that the global beauty and personal care industry is worth $564 billion with a B, which is insane. So personal care is the leading segment followed by skincare, cosmetics, and fragrance. And the industry is expected to grow by 4.7% between now and 2026, I believe. Was there a need in the beauty industry that you were trying to solve? Like, what did you see that was the need? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that generally speaking, cosmetic formulation and custom cosmetic formulation can be quite expensive. And so I think it discourages or puts up a boundary for like regular people to, you know, start these indie beauty brands. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and on a smaller scale. So like once you have your cosmetic developed and you want to get out, get it out there. Um, you know, you may only want to start with like a hundred products and not a hundred thousand products. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that just providing affordable formulation and like providing um, payment options for people to kind of get their, their products off the ground, I think was kind of like what drove me into wanting to start the company. You mentioned that people were coming up like it's hard to come up with customized um, products. What do you define as customized? Yeah, so basically like, for instance, if a client comes to me and says, hey, I want a formulation that does this, I want it to have this texture and I want it to to be you know, opaque or something like that or transparent, whatever the case may be. So then I will, you know, formulate a product specific to what they're describing with ingredients specific to like the need that they're trying to address. So you have custom product formulation and then you also have private label. So private label is like there's predefined formulations that companies will make and then you can put your label on, you know, a product that's already made. Mm. But with custom formulation, you have a lot more say into what ingredients are going in there and maybe like what concentrations they're at. Um and the overall texture and feel and even the scent of it because sometimes you may get um, like bulk private label uh, cosmetics that maybe you don't like the scent of it and that just you know throws off the entire thing so you have a lot more leeway and flexibility with the custom formulation. While you're talking um, about custom formulation it kind of and you and you're speaking about like uh, customers that want like a certain texture or a certain scent or something um who are like your customers yeah so they're typically um either you know just people wanting to start their own skincare hair care line or they're professionals like hairstylists or um nail professionals who've been working in their profession for a long time doing mm-hmm. hair doing nails but they want to come out with their own product line so that they can use that on their clients while they're performing the service Oh, I love that. So can you kind of take me through like the day-to-day of your job? Yes. I will say like as a cosmetic chemist um, running a like cosmetic uh, research and development lab, there's a lot of different hats that I wear. So, you know, you have the initial um, client meeting. So like, you know, giving them a background on timeline, budget, all those types of things. And then so after that, then I'll go into like the research phase. Um, So whenever I have a new client, I'll start researching ingredients, putting together a formulation, um, and then I go through the the, um, formulation part. So with each custom formulation, the clients will get samples to test out the product. So that way they can see like, is this going to do what I want it to do before I, you know, start selling it? Mm -hmm. So 
We'll go through samples. I'll make samples for each of the clients, send it to them. They'll provide me some feedback. And then I go back and reformulate based on their feedback. So if they're like, hey, you know, I don't really like this scent. Can we change it up? Or, hey, I don't really like this texture or, you know, I don't like the way that this feels once I apply it or whatever the case may be. Um, I'll reformulate until we get to a product that they are really happy with. Um, and then so after that, then it can move into like small batch production. So if they're starting out and they want to, um, you know, sell 50 products at a time, mm -hmm. um, then I'll start the small batch production for them. So that's kind of like what a typical day will look like for me, researching ingredients, putting together formulas, um, and then the formulation phase and the samples. How many clients are you working with at a time? Um, it really depends. I will say maybe some, like it could be anywhere between like three or five clients at a time, depending on the product. Mm -hmm. So some products um, are a lot quicker to develop. Um, and then some products take a little bit longer to develop. And one thing that I did leave out is the stability testing phase. So like with all of the products, they go through stability testing to make sure that there's nothing separating out, nothing, you know, no color change, anything weird happening wow. um, the product as well. That's, that's a lot of work. Like that sounds <laughs> like how many like iterations does this usually take? Like what, and, and you, you mentioned the timeline, but like, what is the true timeline to get like a perfect product? Yeah, I'll say anywhere between six to 12 months. Okay. Um, and I say that because the stability testing phase usually takes three months. And that's if everything goes well, if there's no separation, nothing crazy going on, um, then it'll be three months. But it also depends on like how, how long the client may want to test out the sample. So if they want to test it out for a month, then that's, you know, an additional month in the formulation phase. Mm -hmm. so I, I usually say six to 12 months, depending on, you know, the product and how quickly things move. And so are you also packaging um, the products for the people, for your customers? Yeah. So if somebody wants to do like small scale batch production, then I'll yeah. package it for them. What's like the overhead costs for you to like get the, um, like the, the tubes and the containers and all these things for the the packaging piece. Yeah. So because I really want to make it affordable for the clients, I typically buy things in bulk or okay. from um, cosmetic suppliers. Yeah. So the packaging itself usually doesn't cost that much. Mm -hmm. And this is the other thing, like with a custom formulation, the ingredients usually don't cost that much um, in compared to like using a formulation base. So like using a formulation base and scaling that up is going to cost a lot more than, you know, combining the ingredients yourself and scaling that up just because they're charging for the fact that the base is already put together for you. Yeah, that's a perfect segue into some of the ingredients. So can you, first of all, can you talk to me a little bit about the different kinds of product categories that you work with? Yeah, so I usually do like hair care and I may start on skincare um, coming up soon, but most of the people that have reached out to me, um, it's been hair care. And then I do have a, um, a, nail, um, a nail care client as well. For like nail polish? For, so she- she does want to get into nail polish soon, but so far I've done just like a cuticle oil for her. And then she's going to have some other products coming down the pipeline. 
That's super exciting. And then how do the ingredients um, in these products um, different, differentiate like like skincare versus hair care versus personal care versus makeup? Yeah. So um, depending on the product, like you'll have certain categories, like you'll have emulsifiers. So if you're using something that you're combining a water phase and an oil phase, you'll definitely want to have an emulsifier in there. Um, as well as surfactant systems. So, you know, combining different surfactants to get that cleansing piece Mm -hmm. Um, and then your preservative system as well. I love that. So you're not, just to like let the listeners know, you're not only developing the product and the formulation, but you're also helping businesses um, and their owners with like their marketing and their innovation. So can you take me through how you're helping business owners to market their products and how important it is to market their products? Yeah, so I think um, as a cosmetic science business owner, someone who's developing products um, for small businesses, I also talk to them, like you said, about marketing. I talk to them about um, like cosmetic labels, regulations, um, all those things to make sure that when they put their um, products on the shelves that they're compliant with you know, the FDA cosmetic regulations. So we'll talk about what things should be on your label, your ingredient list, how to structure your ingredient list, you know, the order in which things are placed on there, um, where different pieces of information are supposed to go on the label. Mm-hmm. And then like in terms of like marketing, what you can or what you should be able to say in terms of promote, promoting your product. Um, and I think that... Um, that piece is very important because, you know, once you have the product made, you you want to be able to get it out there. So. I think that I love that I'm hearing this from you because I feel like you're like twin minded, like you have like the science piece of it, the product and the formulation, and then the marketing side, the business side, that's what is going to help grow and scale a business. And I feel like that's a very unique business model to have, um, not just being a scientist, but also somebody that can like help others grow. Um, what do you are there any other cosmetic scientists in the area um and sort of like how do you make your marie methods stand out from the rest of the competitors or like other people that business owners could go to yeah so i think there's a few things so there's definitely you know people who formulate cosmetic products um in the area but one thing that we offer in addition to the formulation is like you were saying um kind of like Um, consulting for um, marketing, promotion, um, regulation guidelines, and then also that small batch production piece. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, once you have your formulation made, you, you could be in the position of like, how do I get this scaled up? Like, if it's a formulation that you're not necessarily comfortable making yourself, you might want to look into like, well, who can, you know, manufacture this product? And so a lot of times these contract manufacturers may have like a minimum of 5,000 units that you have to purchase. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not in the position to like sell 5,000 units, then, you know, you kind of need to find some place that can scale that back a bit. So that's the, the um, portion that we offer at Marie Methods as well. That's so cool. And then is, do you, is it just you or do you have any help? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is just me for right now. Um, I would like to move into like, you know, bringing in some more people just so things can flow, um, you know, smoothly, but it is just me for right now. Um, and so at least with the small batch production, you know, that's something that like is within my bandwidth, but like if I get a client that wants, you know, thousands of units, but isn't ready to go to like a full contract, you know, um, 
large scale contract manufacturer, then I may bring in some other people to help out with that. Awesome. I want to pivot to um, some statistics that I found about the Black beauty consumers. And I think that this is a really important conversation after watching um, the Black Beauty Effect documentary on Netflix. Everyone should watch it. Um, But it was a study by McKinsey Institute for Black Economic Mobility. And it said that Black Americans spend about $6.6 billion on beauty and represent 11% of the total U.S. beauty market. While Black Americans, especially Black women, spend a lot of money on beauty products, um, for a long time, we struggled to find the products for us, including hair care, makeup, and skincare. So now with scientists like you, there's an opportunity for us to create products for us by us. How do you think that you are empowering personal care owners that they can create their own products? Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, when there's Black business owners that want to put out their own products, that that's definitely like a space that is is constantly growing and that it's a space that's constantly being recognized. And I will say like as um, a cosmetic chemist and I go to these different cosmetic science conferences, um, you know, the the more I go to them, the more I start to see people that look like me and the more I start to notice them emphasizing um, indie beauty brands mm-hmm. and, and Black-owned beauty brands. And so some of these conferences will actually have a specific segment for um, indie beauty brands to, to promote their products, to talk about um, you know their ideas and all those things behind their products. So I think it's definitely a space that's constantly growing. Mm-hmm. And as a cosmetic chemist, you know, working one-on-one with these business owners, I can really help to bring their vision and their um, ideas to life in an actual product. And so I think that one of the, the biggest things in terms of like developing products for these small businesses is that they get to test it out. They get to tell me, you know, you know, this shade doesn't, you know, match, or, you know, I want it to, you know, to have more, you know, um, to have more shades in this line. So I think that, you know, being able to work with these businesses one-on-one definitely provides some, some custom formulation and um, areas for um, innovation as well. Walk me through like a consultation with a customer. Yeah. So typically um, I'll talk to them about like, you know, what is their product idea? Where did they, how did they come up with this product? Is it something that they're experiencing themselves? They know someone that might be experiencing something um, like hyperpigmentation or, um, you know, wanting a moisturizing cream or something like that. Um, And so I'll talk to them about how they came up with the idea, their target audience, Um, And then I'll kind of go through the timeline. So I'll explain to them, you know, we'll start with our consultation. We'll then go to development, testing, samples, all that, all of those things. And throughout the whole process, me and that client are going to have like regularly scheduled meetings. Mm -hmm. So like, I'll be able to talk to them and say, hey, this is how things are going. You know, this is the ingredient list that I have. Is there anything, you know, that you want to add or change about this specific ingredient list for their product? Um, and then from there, we'll talk about budget. We'll talk about um, ways for them to get to the product completion phase. What do, what do you expect them to know um, like and have already set up before they start working with you? Like, do you have anybody that comes with like 
just an idea. Like, I just want to make a product for hyperpigmentation, but they have done nothing, none of the like back end work or like, like what? Yeah, like take me through that. Yeah, I think the main thing that I um, would maybe suggest is that they do a little bit of market research in terms of the product that they want to create. So just seeing what products are out there, um, whether that's online or walking through the store and kind of just checking out what products are on the shelves, um, looking at price point, looking at um, the way that they're marketing these products. And so kind of just having an idea of what already exists and then how we can, you know, create something that's innovative and that's different from what's already out there. But other than that, um, I would say that's the main thing because, you know, that's why you hire a cosmetic chemist to do yeah. all of the back end work. I love that. And so we're going to pivot because I want to get, I want to like nerd out a bit. And I don't know the answers to any of these questions. So I'm excited to talk to you about these, but I want to talk about the ingredients and formulation. So how do you go about selecting and formulating ingredient ingredients for cosmetic products? Yeah. So depending on the product, you'll, you know, want to make sure that you have all of your um, cosmetic ingredient types. So like, you'll want to make sure you have the surfactants. So you're looking into what surfactants you want. Um, if they're low foaming, high foaming, you want to look into your emulsifiers to see if that emulsifier is going to work with your formulation. Um, and then you'll also have, you know, your preservatives that you're looking into. So to make sure that the preservative is going to be effective for your formulation. Um, and so one thing that is really important when developing cosmetics is to check the pH. So mm -hmm. some, you know, formulations or some preservatives, you know, are really effective at a specific pH. And if you're developing um, cosmetic products, you want to make sure the product is at the appropriate pH so that way it is stable as a stable preservative system um, and is good to apply on the skin. Okay. So if the product does not have, um, if the pH is thrown off, that could cause like breakouts or like inflammatory like issues or what yeah. could happen? So um, if the product is not at the right pH, um, your preservative system could just be ineffective or not work as well. Mm -hmm. um, and in that case, your product could be exposed to growth of like bacteria, yeast and mold. So you want to avoid all of those things. Um, and so that's why it's important when developing to just check the pH of the product afterwards. Um, and just a common, um, I guess, like something that's often confused is that you know, you definitely want to have a preservative when you have a product that has water. But if you also have a product that like someone is constantly sticking their hands into or something like that, you may also want to consider a preservative for that as well. Oh, that's so good to know. Are there any breakthrough ingredients or formulations that have recently caught your eye? Um, I will say, I think the one size, um, what was that? The makeup spray. Um, I think that is an a product that's really um, caught my eye recently. I think it's gotten a lot of publicity in terms of like helping your makeup to stay on throughout the day um, because it creates a film when you're applying your um, setting spray. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that because actually when I was work when I was like preparing for this interview, like, so I, do you subscribe to like the Ipsy bags at all? I haven't. Okay, so I subscribe. I get like new uh, samples like each month, but I have like the poor professional like super setter by Benefit, and mm -hmm. I love this thing. But I'm like, isn't it just water? But it's not. Like, so how does it like what's in it, and why? How does it make your makeup like stay 
so long? Yeah, so I think that there's a few things, like in terms of like makeup sprays, like there's sprays that like refresh your makeup. Um, so like provide that like dewy look that you're looking for. And then there's like actual setting sprays to help your makeup to stay in place. And that can be done with like a polymer, some sort of like film forming polymer that's within the um, formulation. Um, how do cosmetic scientists ensure the safety of their products? Yes. So there's definitely a lot of testing that goes into developing cosmetic products. Um, the first one that I mentioned before is the stability testing. So you'll want to make sure <clears throat> that nothing's separating, there's no color change going on, um, and that it's in the appropriate packaging. So if you have light-sensitive ingredients that are going to degrade over time, you definitely want to put it in a UV-coated or you know amber container. Mm -hmm. um, the other testing is preservative efficacy testing. So you want to make sure that there's no growth of bacteria, yeast, or mold in your products. Um, <clears throat> and so with the preservative efficacy testing, they will introduce common household, um, you know, contaminants or bacteria into your product to see if your preservative system will hold up over time. And so that I think is important, you know, because if you're using a shampoo that like the shower water may somehow get in there, or if you're mm -hmm. using hair mask in the shower and you're, you know, dipping your hands into it and there's water, you know, from the, the shower and all of that, um, just making sure that it has a preservative system. So when you open it the next time, there's not, you know, mold or anything growing into the product. Can you explain the role of regulations in the cosmetic industry and like how they impact product development? Yeah. So the FDA has cosmetic regulations um, and guidelines. And so all of that stuff is online on their website. Um, but definitely when you're developing products, you're going to want to follow the good manufacturing practices. Mm -hmm. Um, so making sure that your area is clean, making sure that you have appropriate storage for things that, you know, stuff isn't inappropriately stored on the floor or anything like that. Um, and making sure you're going through, you know, the proper cleaning process when creating your products and making sure that you're getting ingredients from reputable vendors as well. Do you, like, with Marie Methods, like, have you come across any challenges um, in your business? And, like, how do you overcome them? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, there's always formulation challenges. For example, um, you're creating a product that hasn't been created before. You're using a formulation that's completely unique. So there's bound to be formulation pro um, challenges during mm -hmm. the development process. And so I think that just allowing enough time to kind of go through those iterations of formulations um, is really important in the overall product development phase. And as a scientist, that's one of the things that interested me the most about um, this field is that, you know, it's not always a straightforward answer. Like if you're creating something brand new or you're formulating something new, you know, you're not going to always have the answer right away. So kind of just being able to go through those steps and I, you know, get to the end formulation that does work. But um, having those, cha those challenges along the way, I think is what interested me the most about the field. Can you give us like an example of um, an innovation or a new product that you've seen that a customer has come to you about? Um, so let me think. So I know like I've had a customer or a client come to me about like a hair mask. Um, I also know that I've had a client come to me about like a shampoo that goes from like a looking like an oil to an actual shampoo formulation. Oh, wow. um, 
when somebody came to me uh, with that idea, I hadn't heard of it at that point. But, you know, kind of like as time goes on, I've seen a few products that are like similar to that idea. Like it looks, you know, like a golden color, looks like an oil, but when you, you know, apply it to your scalp and your hair, it foams. And wow. so I think that, you know, you know, never give up on your ideas. You never know like what can come of that. That's super interesting. Um, how does the industry address concerns related to like sustainability and in the environmental impact? Yeah. So I think that there's always companies um, like packaging, cosmetic packaging companies or ingredient companies that are looking for um, sustainability solutions. Mm -hmm. um, so there's definitely a lot of like ongoing innovation and research along packaging lines. So mm -hmm. like things that are um, biodegradable, things that are not just single use and you throw them away. Um, so I think there's a lot of research going into that area. And I the key is to just know that those things are available, to know that those packaging options are available. Um, and then from an ingredient supplier standpoint, you know, coming up with um, sustainable ingredients to then sell to, you know, clients or um, cosmetic formulators or cosmetic chemists to then incorporate in their formulations to help make their products sustainable. Yeah. Do you have a particular project that you've seen as like a favorite that you've worked on? Um, I don't have a favorite necessarily. Um, I, for, well, I really enjoyed making one product that was the hair mask. Um, that was very, it was a challenging project, but I think that, you know, getting to that final formulation that, you know, was stable, there was no separation, it had a, you know, a great scent that the client loved. I think that that was um, a project that I really enjoyed working on for sure. So you, was this a small batch um, product line? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then are, is this particular client like selling on, on a, like a website or is it like in stores or? Yeah. So she hasn't started selling yet. Um, <clears throat> I'm, you know, we're, I've developed it. And so I think she's, you know, maybe working on getting it out there, mm -hmm. but I, that, you know, for a lot of times people may underestimate the amount of time that it takes from, you know, a develop developing to launching a product. Yeah. Um, so I want to say that she's still in that, you know, phase of getting things out there. I feel like in just having this conversation with you, like you are such a key role in these people's, in these customers' businesses, because like you, if you create a product that, you know, somebody had this idea and they came to you with this idea, they did the market research, it hasn't really been done before, it's something innovative and it works and pro and people love it, then they continue to come back to you to fulfill the orders, right? Like then you are the cosmetic scientist of this particular brand. Is that sort of how it works? Like, do you have repeat, repeat clients? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So if I develop a product and, you know, they're ready to sell, and they're like, hey, I need to place this order. Then I can, you know, place fulfill the order. And then once they sell that, they may come back and say, hey, I need another order. Um, yeah. And we can set up a schedule from there. So yeah, that's definitely how it works. Um, and then, you know, some clients, once they get into something like a Target or a Sephora, um, then I'll then communicate with the contract manufacturer to kind of make sure they can scale up the formulation for them. Okay, so are you the person, so you're the cosmetic scientist, like, working with indie brands, like, while they're 
still small, will they, if they decide to grow and scale, um, then they would work with like a manufacturing company. So like a bigger company that could build this product in bulk. Correct. Yep. And then would you then send them the formula and then they create it in, in their space? Yes, that's correct. Wow. Okay. So, <laughs> wow, this is so cool. So, so let's say for this particular client who has this hair mask, like you are also working with different clients, uh, several clients at a time. Um, do you are, do you kind of have like a, your own sample of this formula built? So when they come back to you and they're like, I need more of this, I need like 50 more batches of this like product, then you already have the formulation like ready to go for them like how does that how does that work yeah so once I create so I always keep a lab notebook so like okay. every iteration you know have detailed notes on the formulation the procedure the ingredients the supplier of the ingredients because that can make a difference as well um and then so if they say hey you know sample b you know is the one that I really liked and so I'll go back and see well what was sample b um, and so when they come back again to fulfill an order, then I can just reference that, you know, get the same supplier, the same ingredients and follow the same procedure as well. You have such a cool job. Okay. <laughs> this is like, like th that is so cool. So, um, what, like, what's some advice that you have for someone looking to get into cosmetic science? Yeah, I'd say, um, so for one, there's so many, um, job opportunities within the cosmetic science industry that I didn't even know existed. So I say definitely do some research, see like, you know, do you want to do formulation? Do you want to do testing? Do you want to do, you know, marketing, anything like that within the cosmetics industry? Um, but in terms of cosmetic science specifically, um, you know, you can go to school, get a bachelor's degree in a science related field. Um, and then from there, I would encourage to do like a master's or a PhD program in cosmetic science specifically, um, because they'll have the courses that are, you know, specific to cosmetic formulations. Mm -hmm. I think that's the piece that you may not necessarily get um, in undergrad, but in the master's program or PhD program, you'll have the opportunity to do that. And you'll get to network with other people in the industry as well. So I was in classes with people who worked at L'Oreal, Revlon, all these things. And they were like, you know, some of them were around the same age as me. So I think that, you know, just getting that exposure and that experience definitely helps to grow your network in that area. When you decided that you wanted to be a cosmetic scientist, did you have anyone in your family who was in the sciences or anyone that you looked up to in the industry that kind of paved the way? Because like, i I mean, maybe because I wasn't around it, but like, I didn't even know like a cosmetic scientist specifically like existed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, neither did I. Um, I did not have anybody in my family that was in science. Um, and so I didn't know that cosmetic science was a field or an area that people could go into. I didn't even know that there were schools that had programs for this. So I will say I did do some research to see like once I figured out cosmetic science was a, a field, I did some research on like jobs, professionals in this industry. Um, and I came across um, a black lady who worked for L'Oreal and I want to say she was developing mascaras. And so she was kind of like the person that I was like, OK, you know, me, you know, I can see myself in this field there's, you know, opportunity here. So I think that just, you know, seeing her, 
story that that was definitely a turning point for me as well. How much money could like somebody have the potential to make in this industry? Um, millions of dollars. I think that there's tons of opportunity in this space from somebody having their own product line and selling products to someone selling a formulation service. I think that there's definitely, um, you know, enough room in the industry for new people to come into it. And I know that when I was first starting out, um, a lot of business owners would ask me like, hey, you know, I want to create this hair care line, but like, it feels like it's so saturated with all of these companies and all of these products that, you know, are claiming to do like these great things. And so I, you know, I would always tell them, definitely follow through with your ideas. The industry is not saturated. There's always room for new and innovative products in the industry. How can someone stay up to date on the latest developments and breakthroughs in cosmetic science? Yeah, I would say to look at cosmetic science research journals. Those, um, they are very science-based, but I think, you know, you can get an overview of like, what people are working on at the bench. When I say at the bench, at like the laboratory bench. Mm -hmm. um, and so that kind of gives you an idea of what's going on before it gets to like a trend or, you know, what, what bloggers are talking about or people are talking about um, on social media. Okay. So is Marie Methods taking new clients? Yes, we are currently taking new clients. How can people work with you? Yeah, so um, you can reach out to me on my website. It's www.mariemethods.com. Um, and then it has a consultation tab there and you can schedule a meeting with me and you can kind of go from there. And where can people find you on social media? Yes, and my Instagram is at mariemethods. Um, thank you so much for your time. Before I let you go, though, I want to play a rapid fire if you would be willing. It's going to be, this is the fun part. Okay. <laughs> All right. So when should you begin a skincare regimen to ward off aging? Um, as soon as possible. I think that you start early enough, you will have less to worry about in the end. <laughs> what are like some good products to use to stop that? Um, so there's definitely lots of anti-aging products out there, things for like eyes, skincare creams. Um, so just, I don't know, finding the right product for you, not a specific brand necessarily, but like, you know, the product that works the best for your skin. I want to mention, because this was also in the documentary, but, um, I, in the black community, we always say black don't crack. And so sometimes we don't, think that we need to wear sunscreen or we need to use some of these anti-aging creams that we see other demographics are using. Uh, do you believe in that myth? No, we absolutely <laughs> need to wear sunscreen. Um, and a lot of people will say to wear sunscreen every day. So definitely wear your sunscreen. And one thing that I like is, you know, now there's more moisturizers that have SPF in them. So you can get a, a two for one, not have to think about it, you know, and just, you know, apply in the morning and be done with it. I love that. What's your favorite skincare myth that needs to be debunked? Hmm. Let me think about that one. Hmm. Well, I will say for natural ingredients, preservative free, I am totally against that. Um, I think that you know, definitely want to make sure that your products have the appropriate appropriate preservative system because mm -hmm. it's not worth creating a preservative-free product that's going to then, you know, 
cause breakouts because the preservative system isn't active. Why do people want to buy preservative-free products? Uh, I will say just because um, they think that it's more natural. And so like, because we are going through this like natural product error, um, just, you know, using the cleanest ingredients, less ingredients in the product. I think that people are kind of, some, some people are hesitant about preservatives, but making sure that, you know, set the appropriate concentration, everything will be fine. So a lot of people are also into like vegan in ingredients. Does vegan ingredients mean preservative free? No, I think that there's definitely some preservatives that can still be incorporated into vegan, vegan free or vegan um, products. Have you worked with any vegan products? I worked with natural products, um, so to speak. And then, you know, just, yeah, I have worked with people wanting to create vegan products as well. Yes. Because I know that's a big thing right now. Mm -hmm. um, bold lip or natural look? Um, I'm more of a natural look person. Occasionally I might do a bold look, but that doesn't last for very long. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite skincare trend right now? Hmm. Let me think. I don't know that I have a favorite skincare trend right now. Hmm. That's okay. Uh <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your morning skincare routine in three words? Go. Um, so facial cleanser, toner, moisturizer. A uh, favorite skincare ingredient and why? Hmm, I like glycerin a lot. I like the feel of glycerin. Um, and I think that I can definitely, you know, sometimes tell when there's products that have glycerin in it just from applying it to the skin. What is glycerin? Glycerin is a humectant. So that's something that, um, you know, helps provide that, like helps um, retain hydration in the skin. Oh, I love that. Okay, so favorite part of the product development process? Um, I think the sample part, I like sending out samples to clients and getting their feedback on them. Mm. What's the most important product that we should be using right now? Um, hmm. I'm going to say sunscreen or, S you know, an SPF product, because I think that now that we're out of summer, I think that a lot of people are doing away with their SPF products. And I think it's important to kind of like keep that going. Hmm. What's, um, what's your favorite beauty line? I really like Fenty Beauty. I know everybody probably says that, but like that is the, the cosmetic brand that I buy my foundation from. So, I mean, she has a good product, so that's why everyone talks about it. <laughs> What's a cosmetic product that you can't live without? Um, hmm. I'm going to say just like a daily face moisturizer. Like I always have to have that, that and a lip gloss. Okay. Wait, so are you a, would you say you're like more of a makeup girl or a skincare girl? I think more of a makeup girl, but like okay. makeup. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. This was so much fun. Like, thank you so much for coming on the show. I had, I had so much fun and I learned so much, but um, yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Chanel. That's it for this week's episode of A Bright Idea. Tune in each week as we interview entrepreneurs to find out the aha moments that launched their businesses. Today's episode featured Chanel Person, founder of Marie Methods. 
You can support Marie Methods by going to their website at mariemethods.com or following them on social media at Marie Methods. We're building a community of support here on A Bright Idea, so follow Marie Methods on social media, give a review, and tell all of your friends. Until next week, I'm Amber Key.